Welcome to Heartland Church. It is our prayer that as you listen to the following message, you would experience the heart of God for your life. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Now, let's join this week's service already in progress. All right, turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. There's such a small crowd. I'm almost tempted to have everybody move in the middle. Don't you hate when preachers do that? Everybody move in. Yeah, see, you guys were honest, so I won't do it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. I want to, uh, this, this thought, this passage has been on my heart this week. Um, really, not, not so much this passage, but some of the thoughts that I'm going to share with you this morning. So I'm going to tie it in, and I'm going to use this as kind of the launching pad to talk about this, and I, I alluded to this principle during Christmas, and uh, I don't remember what, what the context was we were talking about during the Christmas season, but I made this statement about how two of God's primary strategies, and it's, it's really two sides to the one coin, is mystery and revelation, that God navigates, he governs through mysteries and revelation. And if we don't understand that, we can really frustrate ourselves as believers. One of the ways you can really help yourself along is understanding the ways of God. If you don't know God's ways, but you're trying to serve Him, you can find yourself missing Him a lot. But if you understand His ways, you can intercept Him, and you can cooperate with Him, and you can understand what He's doing. That's why David cried out in Psalm 25, O Lord, show me your ways. He wanted to understand the ways of God. It, uh, the psalmist said that God showed Israel His works, but Moses, He showed His ways. It's one thing to observe what God is doing. It's another thing to be able to anticipate what he's going to do before he does it because you already know his ways. When you know somebody, you know their ways and you, you can cooperate with them, you can anticipate. There's a deeper level of intimacy when you know somebody's ways than when you just know what they're going to do. You don't know the why behind the what. But if you know their ways, you begin to know the why behind the what they're doing. So that's not good English, but it's good preaching. So Ephesians chapter 3, let's pray. Father, Lord, we ask you this morning that you would just speak to us. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding. And Lord, I'm asking God that you would instruct us this morning. And Lord, provoke our heart towards hunger. Lord, that we would desire to know your ways. And that we would have a hunger to know the deeper things of God. And so, Lord, I'm asking God that you would do that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. For years, I've loved the latter half of this passage, but in the last two years, I really fell in love with the former half. And uh, what happened is, it was a couple years ago, I was uh, just spending some time with the Lord, and the Lord said, I want you to preach on wisdom. And I don't want you to preach your old stuff. I'm like, oh man, Lord. He said, I want, to, I, want, I want to teach you some new things. See, the danger for anybody that's preached for over 10 years, and I've been doing that three times over, the danger is you just kind of rehash what you knew before. And because you, there's this pressure to come up with something for the next week. And, and so what happens is we can study for sermons rather than to learn. We bypass our our, our heart, we're not filing it away in our heart, we're just getting in our head so we can put it out so we get to the next sermon. 
And uh, the Lord said, I want to teach you some things. And so as I began to study this passage, God really gripped me. And I want to go over some of that. We, we talked about it sometime in the last two years. I really don't remember. But I want, to, I want to go back into this because I feel like it's key for us right now. And God wants us to understand his ways. So look at Ephesians chapter 3. This is the glorious rabbit trail of Paul. This is the validation that rabbit trails are from heaven. You know when preachers get carried away and they, they're talking about something and then they get on a rabbit trail? When I taught at Teen Challenge, one of the things I loved about Teen Challenge was there was a lot of questions and answers. Because it was in a small setting and you're preaching along and someone had just raised their hand. But I, after about five years, I'm not the quickest guy, after five years I began to realize, you know what these guys are doing? They are asking questions that have nothing to do with the test. They're trying to get me off track. But it was fun. And we'd go down these little rabbit trails. Because the danger for a teacher is that you're scratching an itch that doesn't exist. You're answering questions nobody in the room has. And so we want to, we want to be relevant to where people are at. And so Paul gets on a rabbit trail. Look at what he says. Verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he stops and he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now look at verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father. See, Paul starts out in verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, and then he gets on a rabbit trail, and then he picks it back up in verse 14. And he says, okay, back to what I was saying. For this reason I, Paul. So he says, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, verse 2, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Uh, the, the ESV, it's a great translation, it says, assuming that you've heard. See, Paul, Paul is assuming that everybody knows that there's grace on his life for them. Because it was just a common knowledge in the church, the early church, they understood how the gifts work. They understood that God will anoint one to minister to the others. And so they, and, and they understood that there was different giftings on different people. And they, Paul said, I, I, you know, surely you've heard that on me there's this grace for you. Because Paul was breaking into some things. God was going to put grace on Paul so he could break into some things and he could turn around and give it to the rest of them. And so Paul just assumed that they have, there's this common knowledge that God will anoint people that you can receive from. So he says, surely you have heard of the administration. It's an interesting phrase. The administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Some translations translate that the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. He's saying that God gave grace to me and it's for you. But he didn't, it wasn't just grace. It was the administration of grace. What is he talking about? The Greek word that Paul uses there is a compound word, and it's, in the Greek, it's oikonomia, and it's a compound word, it's oikos, uh, not, not the yogurt, but it means, it has the idea of a household, uh, a family, uh, you know, missiologists, some of you have heard teaching about reaching your oikos, and it's talking about the spheres of your relationship, how are you doing, stewarding your oikos, are you reaching your neighbors, all that, so you got the oikos, and then you got the other word, nomos, which is law, matter of fact, in Romans 7, where Paul says, you know, what the law, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be righteous by the law, what the law was powerless to do, Christ did, and the, the word law there is nomos, 
It's the law. And so you put those together, and it's household law. And the Greek word, it's where we also get the word economy. Oikonomia, economy. <laughs> and and it, the idea is the rules of the house, how, how the house is governed. And so like Joseph was an oikonoma. Uh, oikonomia. Uh, he, was, he was a steward for his master. He administrated his master's house. So the reason that's interesting, because what Paul is saying is this. He's saying that God gave me a download of the rules of the house, how he governs his household. He gave that to me in the form of grace so that I can in turn give it to you. That's what he's saying. God wants you and I to understand how he governs his household. We're part of the kingdom family. He is, the, he is our father. He is our king. We're royalty. We're born into this thing. But we've got to understand how the, the principles of the kingdom. That there are ways in which God operates. And when we, operate, when we understand how God operates, we can cooperate. But if we don't understand how God operates, we can find ourselves resisting God or being frustrated with how He operates. So we need to know His ways. And so Paul says that God gave me this download, the house rules, the, the, how, how He governs His household, the economy of God, and He gave it to me in the form of grace. Listen to what he says. That is, verse 3, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. So what God did is there was a mystery and God unwrapped the mystery for Paul in the form of a revelation so that then he could bring the others in on this revelation and they could understand how God operates. And this little verse here, verse 3, look at it there. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written about briefly. So he uses these two words. He says, there's a mystery, but God gave it to me by revelation. And this is something that you and I must understand, that God is really into mysteries. God is intentionally someone who conceals things. We, I remember when we were talking about we were talking about it with the wise men, and how the principle in, in Proverbs it says, it's the glory of, a, uh, of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. Think about that. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and what we were talking about is when it comes to God, God's glory is the essence of who He is. It's the sum total of who He is and the essence of who He is. And so when we've fallen short of the glory of God, as it says in Romans, it means we've fallen short of the standard of His essence of who he is, his character, the standard of his character. So when, the, when the, the, the wise man writes in the Proverbs that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, what it's saying is that's normal operating procedures in heaven. That the way God functions is that one, one of the manifestations of the essence of who God is is that he hides things. It's just the way he operates. And some people don't think of God that way. Matter of fact, it's a bit offensive to them to think that God would hide things from them. I've had people tell me, well, you know, all this hunger, you know, and going after God, 
I'm already saved. I don't need to go after God. If God wants to show me something, he'll show me. Yeah, good luck on that. How's that working out for you? The fact is, God reveals it to the seeker. And your seeking doesn't end the day you got saved. It just begins. That's when it really starts. The essence of God's nature is that he will conceal things, but he does it for you and not from you. He really does hide them for you. The reason, what I mean by that is, it's available to you, it's accessible. It's not like he's hiding it from you and you've got to wrestle it out of his hands begrudgingly and he's like, oh, nuts, he got it. I was trying to keep it from No, God, God longs to show it to you. He longs to reveal those things to you, but he'll only do it to the hungry heart because your hunger is the very thing that will qualify you to steward it once you get it. God will withhold the treasures of revelation and wisdom from you, let me put it this way. God is a really good father. And he never gives you something you can't handle. Now let me just say, let that sink in for a moment. Because if I was you, I would be arguing with your pastor right now. Because there would have been a time I'd have said, no, that's not true. God put the, the, the tree in the middle of the garden. They couldn't handle it, but he put it right there. It was accessible. Yes, and he told them not to touch it. God will not give you something until you can handle it. Now, you can get it before you can handle it by violating his principles. You can get it illegally, but you're going to do so against the will of God and to your own detriment. God is a good father. So if you're going to get revelation in the will of God, then you are going to have to go through a process to come up to a level of maturity. That's why in 1 Peter it says this. It says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. It doesn't say add to your faith knowledge. It doesn't say get saved and get really smart. Get saved and then get all the understanding you can get. Skip the virtue. You skip the virtue and your knowledge will puff you up. You'll become prideful. So what in God's economy, in the house rules of God, the oikos nomos of God, his administration, he gives you faith to believe. Then he develops in you virtue, uh, a character that can handle what he wants to give you once you get it. And if you don't have the character, he keeps withholding it. He gives you just enough peak so that it will cause you to stay in the pursuit, but he's not going to give it all to you until you can qualify for it. Matter of fact, the words we use for education have in, 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 packed into them that understanding. We use the word instruction, information. Think about that. We have instruction. I have an internal structure that can handle what's going to be released upon me as I understand it. I, I'm being formed on the inside. Information. So that's what it meant when Jesus told his disciples. I want to say it's John 17. At the end of his ministry, he said, guys, there's so much more I wanted to tell you. But I can't because you can't bear it. Means literally, you can't stand up under the weight of it because revelation is access to reality. If you don't, there's things that you don't understand, and therefore you don't have access to them. To me, it's absolutely fascinating that in this room right now there are all kinds of different levels of understanding. Uh, Take take for instance finance. 
There are people in this room that look at finance as the goal, and there's other people in this room that look at finance as merely the tool. And those are two different views of money. And we often aren't even aware of how we look at it. But we have, an, uh, we have a belief system when it comes to money. And depending on how you view it will depend on how you can access it and steward it and use it. And there are some people that are just very gifted at making money because they have a different mindset, a different perspective. They understand things that others don't. They, are, they literally live in a different reality when it comes to finances. And because of how they see things, it either grants them access or keeps them out of access, depending on their belief system. And that's true across, there's a lot of different, we could give all kinds of different examples, but the fact is, your belief is, your your understanding rather, is access or, or it keeps you from access. That's true spiritually speaking. There are people in this room that are walking in things with God, in God that other people haven't touched yet because of their understanding. But there's a price to pay for true revelation in the will of God. You can access some spiritual understanding apart from God. It's what the occult is. That's what rebellious Wisdom is. That's, that's where people want. Wisdom always has a moral component. So I said rebellious wisdom. That's probably a misnomer. Okay. Wisdom always has a moral component to it. It's knowledge with a moral component. If you gut it of its morality, of its moral component, then it's just mere, under, it's just mere knowledge. God wants to give us wisdom. Because it's that morality that guards us against the downside of that understanding, that knowledge. God wants to protect us. And so what he does is he draws us on with hunger. And as we cry out for wisdom and understanding, God will take us through a process that will build within us the virtue. He'll add to our faith. We believe that there's some things that are accessible. Then he will build in us virtue so that we can then add to that knowledge. But if we skip the virtue, if we skip the process, if God were just to give us what we asked for, we wouldn't be able to handle it. We'd be like the prodigal son. We get the riches and we go out and squander them. And they end up hurting us rather than helping us. So God's a good father. But what it demands is, A, you've got to have faith. You've got to trust that God, that God really does love you and the process he's taken you through is for your good and not for your harm. And if we don't understand that, if we don't understand how God by nature conceals things and that he does it for our good and that he longs to reveal these things to us, if we don't understand the economy of the kingdom, the oikos nomos, if we don't understand how God administrates his kingdom, then we end up frustrated and resenting God. And we, we don't understand why some people get these things and I'm left on the outside. It's because God God understands you're not ready yet. He's building something in you, and it's going to be good. The longer the building process, the weightier the building that can be built upon it. The longer the present pregnancy, the bigger the baby. Mosquitoes are pregnant 30 seconds, elephants two years. What do you want to give birth to? Go through the process so you can bear it. 
Jesus longed to give his disciples things they could not yet bear. So he had to take them through a process. So he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me, or a revelation of the house rules, how God operates, that God gave to me by grace. And what was that? It is the mystery made known to me by revelation. There is a mystery So God operates by two things. There's two sides to this coin. It's the truth of God. One side is mystery. The other side is revelation. And God is by nature a concealer and a revealer simultaneously. He's he's always concealing things for your good. And he causes you to hunger, go through a process. You grow up and then he reveals it. And that's how he moves us on in the Christian life. Without revelation, without growing in knowledge, you can't grow, period. That's why 1 Peter, I want to say it's first, it might be 2 Peter, but I think it's 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, Peter does the, the normal greeting to the apostolic letters, the epistles. Peter, an apostle, da-da-da-da. And then he says, grace be unto you through your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is the substance of the Christian life. Anything God does in you or through you is by grace. That's why Paul said, he he said, I'm an apostle by grace. What made Paul an apostle? God slapped some grace on him. But what is the conduit by which we receive that stuff called grace? Knowledge. You can only grow to the extent that you know. And so God is always leading us on. Now, there's times where... You'll, you'll have an experience, and then God will explain it to you. There's other times God will explain something to you in theory, and then he'll walk you into it. But the fact is, there is always that component of God beginning to give you understanding of what you're going through. And this is part of the Christian life. If your walk with God does not have as part of it this hunger to understand this, this curiosity, this thing that says, God, I, I want to understand how this works. I want to understand your ways. I want to, what, what does this mean? How does this work? If there's not a hunger in you of that, and that, of that, that kind of thing in you, then there's something missing in your spiritual walk, and it will keep you from growing. There are some people who grow by default and accident, and there are people who grow intentionally. Guess which one grows faster? There are people who just grow by sitting in church and every now and then stumbling upon something a pastor says. Or, you know, they, or they, they listen to the radio. And it's not that they're pursuing it, it's just they happen to be in the right place at the right time. And, and, it, and so they grow a little bit because they understand a little bit more. And then there's those who say, I've got to know. And they cry out to God and they say, God, I want a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That's what Paul prayed for us. If you want to know the ways of God, then cry out for wisdom and understanding. The writer of Proverbs says, cry out for wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. Seek for it as hidden treasure. That should be our mentality. Because it really is hidden treasure. Because with wisdom, with that, will come all these other things. Proverbs says that with wisdom comes uh, honor and riches and these things. That is the avenue to get those things. And too often, we're we're wanting those things rather than the wisdom that will enable us to steward those things if we happen to get them. And so we need to have a hunger 
for the wisdom of God. Now, a few years ago, when we were talking about this, or a year ago, sometime in the last 10 years, uh, we were talking about this whole thing of wisdom and revelation, and we were talking about how there's different levels of revelation. And, and some of you may remember, we were talking out of Matthew, I want to say it's chapter 5, it might be 6 or 7, right in there in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. I think it's in chapter 6, because he's already talked in chapter 5 about prayer. And he says this, Ask, seek, and knock. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And the door shall be open unto you. And we talked about how Jesus was giving us some secrets to the kingdom in that little teaching. That that's not just three ways of saying the same thing. Jesus is not just trying to be a preacher and kind of, you know, play on words and kind of build and keep saying the same thing in three different ways. He's, he's building on one precept on another. There is asking level wisdom. There are certain things in the kingdom, there are certain things in life that you only get through asking. And, and the fact is, all you got to do is ask. There are things that God will give to you. And that's what we see in James chapter 1. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. It's all you got to do. God, would you teach me? And there are cert- there's certain base level wisdom that God will give you if you'll just ask. But then there's wisdom that is beyond that. And he says, seek and ye shall find. Ask and you shall, it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Proverbs chapter 2, I just quoted it. It says, seek for wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. Search for it as hidden treasure. What do you have to seek for? That which is hidden. And so he says, seek for wisdom as for hidden treasure. There is some Teaching, there is some understanding, wisdom, revelation, knowledge. There are, there's some of that that all you have to do is ask. And that's pretty, that's pretty low-lying fruit. It's, it's just the basic things of the kingdom. But then there's other things that God hides. And we have to seek for them. And the effort that is demanded is equal to the value of the find. There are things that you just ask and you're given, but there's other things you got to seek and you'll find. And the greater effort is indicative of the greater value of what you get at the end of it. And so there's some things that we're to seek as for hidden treasure. Think about that. So often we can just read over Scripture and we miss what's really being said. God's telling you there are treasures of great value. Seek for it as hidden treasure. If I were to tell you that there was a pirate's treasure out on the back 40 here, I don't care how cold it is. You'd be out there tonight you know, with your little light looking around, no one to see you. Because there's gems and gold and silver. You would be hungry to find that because you know that would be a life changer. Well, I'm telling you, that's what this type of wisdom is. If you will understand the value then you will seek for it as for hidden treasure. You'll cry aloud for understanding. And I take that literal. There's something about the passion that's released in your heart when you cry and say, God, I've got to know. I want to understand. There's some things that are only broken open through passion that apathy will never access, but passion will. 
Jeremiah 29, it says, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with your whole heart. An apathetic pursuit won't unlock those kind of things. But passion, wholeheartedness will unlock those things. Why? Because they're more valuable. And if God doesn't have your whole heart, He can't trust you with those things. You say, well, pastor, I don't know if He can trust me. Well, get in pursuit because it's the process of the pursuit that changes you and qualifies you to be the person that can steward it. God is really wise. That it's this hunger, it's this pursuit that literally instills within us the virtue, the character, so that we can steward what he wants to give us. So he says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. And then he says, knock and the door shall be open unto you. So if asking level... Wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Yeah, we say that's low-lying fruit. It's not as valuable. It's good. You're gonna, you need that. That's the foundation. But it's not as, value as valuable as the seek and you shall find wisdom. So we have the knock or uh, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. If the ask is James chapter 1, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. And God will give liberally and he won't, he won't berate you. Then Proverbs chapter 2 is that next level. Cry out for wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. Search for it as hidden treasure. That's a whole different deal than just asking. This is, this is a crying out, a seeking for it, because it's hidden. And then there's a graduation into knock and the door shall be open unto you. If the first one is James chapter 1 and the second one is Proverbs chapter 2, where do we find this knock and the door shall be open unto you? Where do we find this level of wisdom that's hidden within some vault that we have to knock on the door so it'll be opened? And it implies, number one, that it's behind a lock and key precisely because it's valuable. And it also implies there's someone behind the door holding the key. Because if you're going to knock, they have to open the door. He says, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. I would propose to you that the knock and the door shall be opened unto you is right here in Ephesians chapter 3. It's a whole different kind of wisdom. So look at what it says. He said, this mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by God's Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets. Jump down to verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which was for ages past, has been kept hidden in God, who created all things. So there's two phrases there that we need to look at, and we can begin an understanding that this is the very type of wisdom Jesus is talking about when he's talking about knocking on doors. There's some things that God longs to give you. You hear it in the heart of Jesus when he says to his disciples, there's so many things I longed to share with you. That's the heart of God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. The Father longs to give you these things. 
but he can't until you can bear it. And these are the most valuable truths. So listen to what it says. In verse 8, although I'm the least of all God's, the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. That's the NIV. Let me give you a few other translations if I can find them here. The boundless riches of Christ. That is verse 9, right? The, uh, the ESV, it says, and to bring to light for everyone, <laughs> to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Let me read the NAS to you. He says, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery for ages which has been hidden in God who created all things. And, and he says, he calls it the unfathomable riches of Christ. So the NAS calls it unfathomable. The NIV calls it unsearchable along with the ESV. That word there in the Greek literally means no tracks. That's why some translations will translate it unsearchable. What he's saying is there's certain things, there are certain mysteries, there are certain truths, certain uh, concepts in the kingdom that there's no way you can search them out. Unless God reveals them to you, you will never touch them. So I want you to think about this for a minute. See, there are mysteries that God has. He operates. It's the glory of God. The essence of who He is is to conceal, only later to reveal to those who have qualified for it. it he conceals it, but then He brings you to a level of maturity so He can reveal it. And if you don't come to that level of maturity, you'll never get the revelation. And there are some of these types of truths you can break into outside of God, but it's to your own detriment. The very word occult means hidden things. It's this idea that we're going to look into the secrets, the secret wisdom. We're going to look into the mysteries. We're going to look into, uh, we're, going to, we're going to figure out the, the wisdom, the hidden paths. And the fact is, those aren't really the hidden things. They're spiritual things, and there's people that get into that, and they learn some things about how the spirit realm works, but it's to their own detriment. And they begin, become very tormented people because they've gotten out of God's bounds. They've gone after these things apart from God. But this is not what's being talked about here in Ephesians chapter 3. The occult can never touch these things because these things are unsearchable. There's no tracks for them. There are certain things in God that until God reveals it, nobody will ever know it. And once He releases those, they are game changers. They will change everything in your life. Then He goes on to say this. He says they're unsearchable. It literally means there's no tracks. You can't, you can't go one precept to another to discover it. Until God shows you, you'll never know it. And then He says this. Ephesians, let me see if I can find my passage here. Okay. He says this, verse 9, to make known to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God. See, the place that those things are found are literally in God. There are some truths that are part of the universe. 
And they are mysteries to you and I until we realize them. Some of those, that they can be discovered through science. Some of those are discovered through people getting in touch with spiritual entities and bumping into things and being taught. And th- th- those things, the Bible strictly forbids that because we're getting into the spiritual realm outside of God and it's to our own detriment. That's why the Bible condemns witchcraft and you know, all these occult practices. But these are, these are truths that are discoverable outside of God. And then there are what's called the mysteries of the kingdom. It's what Jesus called them in Matthew 13 and other passages. The mysteries of the kingdom. And they are mysteries that are of the kingdom. And if you're not in the kingdom, you're not going to understand those mysteries. There are things that these are the ways of God. This is how God operates in his realm, in his kingdom, uh, as the ruler, this is how he, these are the house rules. And if you're not in the kingdom, you'll never know those things. And those kingdom truths unlock life for you. And so we need to be hungry for those kingdom truths. But there's a higher level of wisdom, and that is the things that are hidden within God himself. And it says here very clearly which in ages past were kept hidden in God. He said earlier in this passage, he said in verse 5, these things, these mysteries were not made known to people in other generations as they are now being revealed by God's Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. What Paul is saying is that there were two gifts that God gave to his church that were specifically stewards of mysteries. Apostles and prophets, God raised them up so they could release these mysteries to the church. And these were things that were hidden up until that time. And once they were unpacked, they were game changers. But until that time, they were hidden within God himself. And those are the valuable truths. All of them are valuable. But there are some things that you'll never get outside of. You will never have access to outside of intimacy. There are some truths you can be in the kingdom... And you can just learn kingdom truths because you're part of the kingdom. But there's some truths that you've got to be connected to him. You've got to have relationship with him. You've got to pursue him. You've got to knock and keep on knocking. And God longs to show those things to each and every one of us. And the tragedy is that we think, well, that stuff just happens. You know, you just grow in God and you go to church and you just learn that stuff. And you don't. You've got to have hunger Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with your whole heart. There's this pursuit of him that will give you access to things. And that's, that's the journey. God entices you with hunger. He gives you little hints. And he pulls you along. And if you'll respond, he's longing to unfold things to you. And sometimes I, I feel this this urgency and this, this grief in my heart is like, God, have I been on a slow track? Have I, are there things that you were wanting to show me years ago and I'm just learning now? Lord, I, I've got a, I'm 52. I'm going to be 53 this coming year. And I feel like, God, there, I, I told Kathy the other day, I said, I, I feel like I'm a kind of a late bloomer, you know? <laughs> I always feel like I'm like 10 years behind. There's things I long to understand. I want to know. And there needs to be this urgency in our heart. God, there's there's so much more. I'm telling you, there are things inside of you that will never be unlocked, 
and unleashed on the earth until there's revelation that comes to your mind and heart. And there are things that will be potential that will be buried with our dead bodies and never realized precisely because we didn't have the hunger to cry out to God and learn of Him to unleash the very things He put within us. And that just... that. That, that needs to terrify us. I don't want to stand before God and God say, I want to show you what I really wanted to do with your life. But you were distracted and apathetic and you didn't really care about these other things. You were so satisfied with what you already had that you didn't hunger for more. Every one of us, there is, there is potential within, within you. That God wants to unlock, but the only way to unlock it is through revelation of who He is, how things work, and then things begin to open up within you. The difference between billionaires and guys who live paycheck to paycheck to a very large degree is how they see finance. And it's, it's revelation. Now, some of those people were born into that, and they're born into royalty. And so they see the world differently. And God bless them. But I, I want to see the world as it really is. I don't want to be limited by these belief systems. And I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about life in general. But I've got to see Him, and I've got to see how things work. I need the lids pulled off my mind. Because my mindsets are limitations. And God wants to expand my understanding. But in order for Him to do that, He's got to bring something inside of me up to the level where I could handle that kind of lifestyle. And if I'm not hungry, if I'm not going to pursue Him, and if I don't understand that God is by nature a concealer so He can be a revealer, I'll get frustrated and abandon the pursuit and thereby disqualify myself to break into those things. And live and die at the, 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 that immature level in those areas of my life and never even realize it. And blame God. Well, I guess God didn't want to give it to me. Or buy into this belief, I guess it was just for other people. I don't believe our learning is going to end when we die. We're going to be learning for eternity. And I want to get, I want to get ahead of the game now. I don't want to have to learn things there that I should have learned here. I want to understand. God longs to give to you the rules by which He governs His household. Are you hungry to understand those? Are you content to live within the limitations of your own belief system? God longs to reveal things to you. But it's, it's going to take that hungry pursuit. And so Paul says that God put grace on his life to unpack the ways of God, the rules of the household. And when we understand those, we can break into revelation if we'll seek for it. We'll knock and keep on knocking. And some of those things are literally hidden within the vault of God's own heart. And the only way to get it is to go through Him. It's in understanding Him. You've got to be into Him to get what's in Him. 
and it's revelation, it's, it's wisdom, they're truths that are hidden within God. And there's some that were shut up in God up until the present day. And there are things, I'm telling you, the governor on history, the governor on progress in human history is revelation from on high. And there, there's revelation that there's a release date and God said, now it's time for this truth to be released into the realm of men. And there are people who are those, the receptors, the people who are, okay, I want to learn. And they've been pursuing God and they're the ones that receive that and share it with the others. And those are game changers. And those things launch new ages in God. I want in on that. You know, there are countries today who are still living in past ages. There are countries that you go there and it's like you're stepping back into the 1700s. They don't have machinery. They're still living very primitive lifestyles. Why? Because they got cut off from revelation and being cut off from revelation, being cut off from advancement, understanding that was released to man, being cut off from that, they were left in the past because it was the revelation that launched the industrial age, the technological age, and all these other things. And there, there's people that are living way beneath their own potential because what happened is, in being cut off from the revelation that pushed human advancement, it left things untapped in them. So whereas in some countries they're doing laser surgery, those people still have their rock knives. Well, we got to get this thorn out of them. They take a rock knife and cut them open, dig for it, and the guy dies from disease because they don't understand those things. And the same can be true theologically. I don't want to be left behind. Amen? All right, let's stand. You've been listening to a presentation from Heartland Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information about our ministry and its available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Thanks for listening.